So, um, uh, in 2018, Chrissy and I were asked to go and, uh, and just sort of visit the uh, team retreat for uh, MTW Bulgaria. And I was a retreat speaker, and uh, Chrissy was helping with the music, and we went to a little resort outside of Sofia, and we hung out, and I, I, you know, I did like an hour or two a day, and we sat by the pool, and um, I got to know Dave at that time. We went on a hike and some bike rides, and and played Settlers of Catan. We had a, we had a great time, and I enjoyed getting to know the team, and and Chrissy and I felt remarkably uh, comfortable being there. And then uh, uh, right before COVID hit, we were asked to serve as uh, pastoral support for the team uh, in Bulgaria. Um, MT, uh, MTW has a program that's not, I don't think, widely used. Um, but uh, the team in, in Sofia had had a pastor and his wife um, um, where were they from? Uh, George and Barbara Stulak from St. Louis. Yeah, the Stulaks mm -hmm. from St. Louis have been there for many years. Yeah. And, and, and Christy and I have to admit, when we were there watching them, they would meet with the team and, and pray with them, and they were actively involved, and we thought, we're kind of jealous of that. That looks like a really good, a really good deal. And they retired, and we were asked uh, to, uh, to step in and replace them. Uh, we talked with uh, leaders at the church, with the session, the missions committee, and they agreed that they would send us. And so we committed to going uh, uh, yearly to their retreat. And uh, it was, of course, interrupted in, in 2020. Um, uh, in between, the team leader that had helped to recruit us uh, had to step down, and Dave replaced them. So um, I, I knew him before he was team leader. I just want to say that. You know, we're going way back. We knew him. Uh, but we were really thankful uh, for that connection. We stayed in touch. And then we went last summer for our, our first time sort of functioning as this sort of pastoral support. And then we had the role of you not know, only doing, I did some teaching, Chrissy helped with music, and then we met with everyone. Um, and it was really fun, but it wasn't, it wasn't quite the same as like lounging by the pool and hanging out in the resort time. We were, we were busy. We took a step down in, in lodgings. Oh, but it was, yeah. it was still nice. It was uh, nice. Yeah. Um, this time we brought Isaac and Theo with us, and they helped with childcare, and Dave worked their fingers to, to the bone. Um, the, First night we were there, the boys staggered in after like a 10-hour day of babysitting and fell on their beds, and we thought, I'm not sure we're going to make this week. This, this wasn't quite like being retreat speakers. This is harder. Um, but as the week went on, I think we, we just came to be really thankful. Uh, I think under Dave's leadership, the team has developed a, a team of about uh, uh, 12 to 15 people. Mm -hmm. Several, four married couples and four or five singles mm -hmm. um, uh, working in various capacities. Dave will t tell you about it. But un uh, they had a, a, a warm uh, fellowship before, but I think under Dave's uh, leadership, there's a, an openness, an honesty, a, a gospel grace that's permeating their fellowship. And we were really welcomed into it. So it was an incredible privilege for us to pop into these people's lives, to meet with them, to talk about really significant things. Um, we are thankful for it. And in particular, I think one of the great blessings has been getting to know Dave better, and, and uh, he's become a close friend, not only of, 
uh, for Chrissy and I, but, but uh, uh, for our kids as well. So thank you, Dave, for your ministry to us, and we thank you for joining us, and thank you for taking the time tonight to tell us more about Bulgaria. So my understanding is you're going to share for a little bit, and then we'll get to do Q&A to kind of direct that. Correct. So okay. how much time total are we going to do? Well, uh, I think if we were to do total like uh, 40 minutes, that would be ideal. Okay. Great. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. It's all you. Um, I can bore you for 40 minutes happily. Um, so uh, do you need this? Okay. Um, okay. Um, let me just pray to start us off. Father, thank you so much for the privilege to be here, to um, speak of what you are doing um, in my life, in the lives of our team, uh, in the lives of Bulgarians, uh, and um, to, re to reflect upon the fact that you are the one that is doing all of that. You are the one that is building up your church. We stumble, we um, fumble our ways, through trying to figure out what your will is and exploring and seeking your will. Um, be that here in Pittsburgh or be that halfway around the world in Bulgaria, you are the one who is the faithful one. You are the one who has redeemed each of us and you are the one who is using us uh, to redeem others, to call others to yourself and we thank you for that. In Christ's name, amen. Um, so first and foremost, uh, um, I feel a little self-conscious about this. Um, I've never been mic'd like this. Um, but uh, no, first and foremost, I, wanted, I really want to say thank you. Uh, and the, the Kerbers know this, a few others know this, but uh, uh, Matt and I hatched this plan for me to come uh, and visit you all uh, because uh, as... He was sharing something. I don't remember exactly what he was sharing. He was talking something about your, church, your church's missions, outreach programs, and sounded like the missions team was thinking very strategically about missions. And, and I thought, okay, well, that's, they sound like they're put together and they're thinking very deliberately and strategically about what they want to do. Uh, but they don't know us in Bulgaria, and yet they have loaned their pastor to us for an entire week. Uh, they have given resources for the Kerbers to come and, uh, and be involved in ministry to us. And I thought, you know, it would be a really great opportunity for me to just come and acquaint you all more with what is going on in Bulgaria. So that really, just like I, I used that picture this morning for a selfie, you know, all of you participated who were there. Uh, in the same way, you all are participating in ministry to my team, even though it's it's the Kerbers who are the ones that are coming. And, and the reality is, is that's what missions in general is about. You know, those who are not going are sending. And, uh, and so even though, um, you know, and, uh, you all, uh, I don't know everybody's particular situation, but I'll just say you all generally, even though you all are not going yourselves, you are, you're sending, you're actively participating. That's what I communicate with my individual supporters all the time is that you all are partners in ministry uh, and you all are actively involved in what's going on in the church, uh, um, in, in our efforts in church planting in Bulgaria. So uh, that's what brings me here. Now, um, will you uh, 
wave at me at about when we've got about 10 or 15 minutes left so that I can stop and entertain questions. One of the things that I've, I've figured out that I don't, um, I don't always do well uh, these days is I'm so accustomed to living in Bulgaria that, that I tend to forget that people are interested in some things like demographics and uh, those sorts of things. So I really do want to entertain questions. I love entertain, entertaining questions, so I want to give adequate time for that. But I will start off by telling you just a little bit about myself, then I'll tell you a little bit about my team and Bulgaria and what we're doing. Uh, some of you actually, uh, I found out today, some of you actually know uh, through acquaintances at Grove City College, the guy who shared the gospel with me in college. Uh, his name is Colin Messer. He's a PhD level professor out at Grove City College. He's been out there for a while. And he was a sophomore. I was a freshman at Emory University uh, in uh, 1988, before some of you were born. Uh, and, uh, and I reached a crisis moment in my freshman year of college, and uh, the Lord had placed him in my path uh, and, um, and used Colin to, uh, to present me with the truths of Christ's sacrifice for me. Uh, just as, he, um, as Christ has sacrificed himself for each of us uh, in this room. And, um, and my life was changed that year and has continued to be changed uh, as the Lord has worked over the years. And that journey, uh, that, that, uh, that period of life was when the Lord also uh, manifested to me, so to speak, uh, a sense of calling to the mission field. I hadn't grown up in the church. I didn't really know what, uh, what, what the deal was with missions particularly, but uh, I knew I already wanted to become a physician. And so very shortly after I became a Christian, I started asking the question, well, what do Christian doctors do to serve God? And all I had heard about was that there are these doctors that go overseas and serve Jesus overseas in missions. And uh, that was a very, very elementary uh, sense of call, but the Lord uh, established that sense of call way back then and uh, continued to develop that over time uh, to the point where in the mid-2000s, I met a, a gentleman who was ministering in Berlin, uh, again with MTW. And for me, one of the attractive things about what he was t telling me was that uh, Eastern Europe really is one of the, in a sense, unreached people groups of the 21st century. Uh, they have a Christian background, historically speaking, and Bulgarians specifically will tell you that they are Christian. But they, they say that because they are, and they're historically a Christian, culture, uh, Christian country and Christian culture. So for, for them, the question is, are you, you, you have a choice, you're either Christian or you're Muslim. You're either from a Christian country or you're from a Muslim country. That's how they see it. And so for them, we're not Muslim, so we must be Christians. Um, and yet, so if you, if you look at a census, uh, if you look at the statistics, open up uh, the statistics and, and look at it, uh, last, at least the last I saw it was 85% will tell you they're Orthodox Christians. 10% will tell you they're Turkish Muslim. About 4% will tell you they're Catholic. And the 1% is other slash evangelical slash Mormon, all those things lumped, lumped together. 
the reality is, is that Bulgaria, you know, how do you quantify this? I would say that in my life experience there, Bulgaria is about 98% agnostic and functionally atheistic in life. Uh, now, we know that a lot of Americans are the same way. Uh, but um, it presents us with, with, with unique challenges because we have to define terms a lot of times, just as you have to here. But um, uh, so that's, uh, that's the context in which I became acquainted with Eastern Europe and understood that really, like I said, Eastern Europe is, is, as a group, one of the unreached people groups of the 21st century. And I've always felt drawn to where there are no Christians. Uh, I've always, you know, for me, having grown up uh, as a non-Christian, having grown up without a sense of, um, without a sense of a personal God that really cared about me, uh, that to me has, has been a compelling uh, factor, I think, in my desire to go where there are no Christians and to really be, to go where no man has gone before. Um, and uh, so... Uh, that's what led me down that path to Bulgaria. Now, I joined a team at the time that was, now I am a physician, family physician. I did residency and practiced for five years after residency in Greenwood, South Carolina. I was shepherded by great physicians in the residency program who were believers, and my home church is still there in Greenwood, South Carolina. Uh, and they are um, they're very faithful in their care and concern and, and support for me and uh, my role in Bulgaria, but I joined a team that was really bent toward theological education. So they didn't know what to do with me. Uh, they were like, okay, great, you're here, you know, more power to you. Um, and that was back in 2006. Uh, there have been a couple of different team leaders since then. And uh, while I'm not really practicing much medicine now, I will say that, um, and I think this is a point to take, just one point to take with you, is, um, you know, uh, actually I was in uh, Springfield, Illinois on Monday and Tuesday night, and uh, the gentleman I was staying with, we were talking with um, a young lady and, and her husband, uh, the young lady being a resident in surgery. And he, uh, he made a very compelling statement. He said, um, he said, the greatest value that you bring to the kingdom of God is not your profession itself. Uh, and his point was, was, you know, the greatest value that, um, the greatest impact, uh, he might have used the word impact, the greatest impact you will make for the kingdom of God won't necessarily be just by virtue of your profession, but the point that he was making is, uh, whether it's medicine, uh, whether it's being an electrician, whether it's being an auto mechanic, whether it's being a politician, you know, all those, all those things are occupations, they're tools that the Lord has given us to minister to others in His name. And, um, and in fact, William Osler, the father of American medicine, he actually defined medicine in a way that probably uh, most of you and, and most of society wouldn't expect. He defined medicine as ministry to the souls of the sick and injured. He didn't define it as healing or curing or any of those things which, were, which we think about with medicine, but he defined it as ministry to souls. And all of us have that and share in that same calling whether we're doing it in our, you know, in the banking world, the business world, whether we're doing it uh, as blue-collar workers, whether we're doing it, uh, you know, I know a number of you are in the university sphere, 
whether we're doing it as professors. Um, so that being said, uh, what I wanted to say with that is, for me, I've come to the realization that medicine is one of the tools in my toolbox. Wherever I can share the gospel and however I can share the gospel, I've got a bunch of different tools in my toolbox. Uh, some of our teammates uh, head up an English club. English is a tool in your toolbox in many areas of the world. Uh, and even here in, in Pittsburgh, I'm sure, depending on what community you're, you're working in and whether or not you want to teach English as a second language. Uh, that's the whole, that's the whole uh, concept behind a lot of churches doing that. Uh, whether it's, um, we've got another guy who, uh, uh, his name is Zach Sale. He is, uh, I'm not, you know, you're not supposed to have favorites as a parent or as a team leader, but I do. Um, and you all, all you parents do too, I'm sure of it. Uh, but um, uh, my favorite teammates are Zach and Joy Sale. In part, they're my favorite teammates because we're all from Central Florida, and so we're all, we all kind of share the same sense of uh, just how life should happen, and that's generally a conservative libertarian way of thinking. Uh, so if, um, if you're conservative libertarian, then, then I like you. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, um, so um, I'm going to take myself off, off the path. I need to think about what I'm saying. But uh, so, so Zach and Joy, Zach really feels called, and I really believe that he's gifted to work in the university setting with students. And so we're um, endeavoring for him to be equipped and trained to be able to do that in an RUF sort of style. Uh, and uh, we're actually working with RUF for him to be able to get some training with them and to be able to uh, broaden our ministry to the campus there. Uh, and uh, for me, it's with medicine or with, uh, with English or with uh, another thing that I like to do is I like to coach people in finances, personal finances. And, you know, one of the great things about any of those is if you just uh, are being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, He creates a lot of opportunities to speak the gospel to people. I use uh, some, uh, I don't necessarily agree with everything he does, how he conducts himself, but I use some of Dave Ramsey's curriculum. And Dave Ramsey, actually, his curriculum for financial coaching actually starts with, what is your personal mission statement? That's a perfect place to point people to the gospel. If, you know, if people uh, don't have a sense of who they are, what they're doing, um, then that's a perfect opportunity to explore with them what, is, what does it mean to have any sense of purpose in this life. Um, that's one of the things I wonder about, uh, and I've, I've challenged some of my uh, vocally atheistic friends with in Bulgaria. You know, if you're truly an atheist, if, if life truly did happen by chance, why are you still alive? This life is so filled with pain and brokenheartedness and just awfulness that why do you bother? Why do you continue? Um, and I think, the, you know, I think the reality of that is, uh, is because there, there is a recognition somewhere. Uh, Romans 1 tells us this. There is a recognition somewhere that there is more to this life than just the material world. Um, Romans 1 also tells us that, uh, that our sin causes us to want to suppress that. 
And you see that, and I like to say that, Roman, uh, that uh, Bulgaria really represents Romans 1 in a lot of ways, because if you ask, if you ask all these uh, essentially agnostic, atheistic Bulgarians uh, what they believe in, it's always something that they can believe in, but they have no accountability to. So it's energy, or it's aliens, or... Um, what else do they believe? Uh, what are the common ones? Um, there's just some, some force. Some will, will say that I believe that there is some sort of a God out there, but, but you, know, how to, you know, how did Christians decide that it's their God versus the Muslim God? Um, and, uh, but it's, in, invariably, it's, it's a God that they don't really have to feel accountable to. And we can just go on with our lives and do what we want, chant and chase the pursuits that we want and not feel any, any accountability. So Bulgaria, it's, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more um, about the team and how we endeavor to speak into that culture. So we're in uh, Sofia, the capital city. It's a city of about 1.5 million, which for uh, uh, Metro Philadelphia is what? Roughly, what's that? Roughly 1.5. Okay, Metro Philadelphia, you, you do a lot of driving before you get from one side to the other. In, so in Eastern Europe, they're compact cities because they all built up these tall apartment blocks. So it doesn't take that, uh, nearly as long to get from one side of Sofia to the other. But it's a city of 1.5 million people, so a lot of opportunities for the gospel. And uh, we have, as, um, as Matt uh, briefly introduced the team, we have four American families, uh, uh, yeah, as of uh, last week, a, a fourth American family showed up on the field. Uh, two Bulgarian families that are, that are part of our team, uh, three single ladies and myself. We have one other American family that they actually served in Bulgaria. They're finishing up degrees at Covenant Seminary so that she can come back with a counseling degree, he can come back with an MDiv, and they can serve in church planting as well. MTW, uh, raise your hands if you're familiar with MTW. Okay, so most everybody actually. Uh, that's good. Well, MTW's focus is, is church planting. And, uh, you know, Matt, uh, as he was introducing uh, me and as he was talking about um, the Reformation, that's what it was, when you were talking about the Reformation, he was, he was focusing a lot of, on, of his terminology and, and his statements on the church. And, of course, MTW is about church planting because we believe that's how God wants to spread his, his kingdom, is through the church. Uh, God may use other ministries, but ultimately he has established his church as the means by which he is going to advance his kingdom in the world. And so that's what we're about. We're about church planting and, and everything that we do, we want to focus back toward that. So whether it's English club, whether it's medical outreach teams, whether it's financial coaching, whether it's ministry on the campus, um, obviously theological education, that comes back to that as well. But it's all designed, all with the intent that we will be um, focused toward the church being uh, encouraged, the church being nurtured, new churches being planted, um, and God's, God's kingdom is spreading that way. So we have uh, one family, uh, John and Ellen Berger, they're involved with theological education, and they are, they're actually um, serving with the downtown church. The downtown church is 
um, is sort of the mother church uh, that our daughter church was, um, was birthed from, so to speak. And uh, it's, uh, before the pandemic, there were about 200 people. And they were the largest church in the denomination. Uh, don't know exactly how many they have on a Sunday right now. Uh, for, for those of you with questions, COVID has, uh, has essentially mirrored, uh, been mirrored in Bulgaria. Uh, this, it's looked similar to what it looks like in the U.S. up until the point where the vaccines became available. Uh, Bulgarians are heavily inclined toward conspiracy theories. And I don't know what anybody thinks here. I'm not going to, uh, I don't want to, um, I don't know if I'm going to offend anybody in one, in one direction or another. Um, but Bulgarians uh, believe that, that the vaccine program is all a conspiracy. And so uh, they're heavily inclined toward, against uh, vaccination. So the rate of vaccination in Bulgaria right now is only 20%. Now, the government has actually... Uh, um, they've actually made it mandatory for you to either be tested or to have a vaccine to, to even just go grocery shopping. So there are a lot of people getting vaccines now. Um, so if you think, uh, if you, you know, again, I don't want to get into politics, but if you think American government's being restrictive right now, Bulgaria is actually a little step above that. Um, and, uh, and so that's all I'll really say to that unless you have more questions later. But... Um, so we're partnered with, with the leaders of the downtown church, and we have a daughter church. Uh, the John and Ellen are at the downtown church, and what I envision and desire is, it, is that eventually John and Ellen and now the new family, the Webbs, who arrived just a week and a half ago, once they get language under their belts, uh, that they would actually be partnered with that church in, in reaching in. Uh, branching out with new fellowships that would become churches in other parts of the city. The church plant that I'm part of, that we're, stu we're, we're still debating whether or not we're still a church plant or a small church at this point. We have about 25 or 30 people on a given Sunday, and uh, that's, that's a very stable core group of people. Uh, thankfully, we didn't really lose anyone uh, through attrition uh, because of COVID. Uh, so we still have the same general people that are coming, and we've been there for about six years, and we would eventually love to see that church uh, start to uh, branch off and have smaller churches as well. Uh, Trevin Hoot and Ruthie, they are um, another American family, and Trevin is actually the stated interim pastor of that church. We don't want him to be named as a pastor because he's an American, and it's a Bulgarian church. We want it to have a Bulgarian pastor. So Trevin, actually, the way that I lead him best is by mostly getting out of his way and letting him do what he wants. I just keep him from driving off the edge of a cliff sometimes. Uh, but uh, he actually started a pastoral internship this fall uh, with a young man named Boris uh, who has demonstrated a gifting toward teaching. He just needs to be equipped. Uh, he has a bosom buddy, a friend named Nick, uh, Nikki. Who is, uh, who is also doing theological education. I think, uh, we, I don't know if we've actually publicly articulated it even amongst ourselves, but I think Trevin and I and the third person who leads that church, Vlado, I think we all see Nikki as an eventual elder in that church. Um, the fourth family, uh, Hoot Sales, 
Uh, okay, so it's sales. Uh, Zach and Joy Sale, as I mentioned, they're from Central Florida and towards campus ministry. Vlado and Boyan are my two best friends, and they're also the, the heads of their families, uh, and they're also our national partners. Uh, Vlado and I have known each other almost since I arrived in 2006, and uh, he became a part of our team in 2007, married in 2010, and now has two, two small daughters. He is part of the leadership of that church in, in the Mladost neighborhood. Mladost means youth. And uh, he is part of the, leader of, that, of the leadership of that small church that I'm also a part of. And he is the elder in charge of worship, the leader in charge of worship. And uh, he is engaged with uh, our with regular uh, evangelistic relationships of his own. Boyan is actually heading up our translation and publication ministry. Uh, so we actually uh, choose uh, books that, um, that we want to have translated and published. The latest project is Gentle and Lowly, which I know your pastor Kerber likes. Uh, and that is actually being funded by uh, one of the churches down in Birmingham. I, I forget which one off the top of my head. But they really uh, wanted to fund that translation project for us. So they, they're putting up the funds and we'll get that translated and published for distribution broadly. Um, and then uh, our three single ladies, two of them head up the English ministry. Uh, one of them uh, is the, essentially the headmaster of our, missionary, our school for missionary kids. Um, this is something else that, uh, that I, that I want to say as I'm thinking about it. I don't want to go into details, but I will say that, um, that it's not just Matt and Chrissy who have, who've had an ongoing ministry. Uh, to uh, the team in Bulgaria, uh, their sons, by getting to know some of the, the kids at the Missionary Kids School. They have maintained contact with some of those kids that are at the Missionary Kids School, and they continue to have a ministry of encouragement uh, to those teenagers over there. And so, like I said, you all have really had an impact that you, don't, that you all, in some ways, won't ever fully appreciate in this, in this life but you all are having an impact with my team there, um, for which I'm thankful. Um, why don't I pause there and ask, uh, and ask, what questions do you all have? You can ask me anything. Ask me, you know, what do they speak? I don't, I'm, I'm totally fine with whatever. And ask personal questions too if you want, uh, whatever you want to ask. Go ahead. Jay, uh, Jim. Daughters of Bulgaria, yes. Yes. So the the so Taylor and Catherine Dix, they're the couple that are at Covenant Seminary. Catherine is the primary lead on the Daughters of Bulgaria ministry. What he's referring to is uh, um, about a quarter of the women who are trafficked into prostitution in Western Europe come out of Bulgaria, and uh, and when our team became aware of it, aware of that about 10 years ago. Some, some members of the team developed a burden for that, and out of that was birthed this ministry, Daughters of Bulgaria. So it's an anti-human trafficking ministry. Uh, Catherine is getting her counseling degree, but when she comes back, she'll continue to be the lead for that ministry in addition to uh, using counseling. Um, and uh, 
Right now, that ministry is not very active. I was explaining to, um, I think it was Professor Snoke, I'm not sure, uh, that um, uh, they ran into some issues because uh, they had some staff that weren't MTW affiliated, but they were believers, but they, um, they were really just too aggressive in their evangelism uh, with the, the women. Uh, it might sound strange that I would say too aggressive, but they were, they were overtly aggressive to the point that uh, and, and some of it had to do with they were saying, you know, and preaching health, wealth, gospel to the ladies, et cetera. Uh, so a, a decent bit of what they were sharing wasn't even what we would consider theologically correct. But what it did was it burned our bridges with government agencies. Uh, and so the government agencies basically blackballed Daughters of Bulgaria, and they couldn't get any referrals. And so uh, when Catherine comes back, They'll basically be restarting that ministry and trying to get it going again. And we even talked about do we do we rebrand? Uh, but uh, for the for the time being, at least, we're going to continue with the Daughters of Bulgaria um, name on the foundation, and, and we'll see what happens once Catherine comes back. But yeah, I've been there for about 15 years. I've seen a lot of things change, um, and 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 here again, this is. Uh, this is something that, that reinforces to me the fact that God is going to advance His kingdom through His church. We've had baseball ministry. We've had basketball ministry. We've had a lot of different ministries. The only thing that hasn't gone away is God's church. Um, and, you know, Lord willing, eventually there'll never be a, there won't be a need for an anti-human trafficking ministry. But even if there's not a need for an anti-human trafficking ministry, there's going to be something else sinful that replaces that. Um, and that's where the church speaks. Go ahead. Uh, who? Uh, sure. Yeah, sure. Um, so I would say, uh, yeah, I'll clarify that. Um, so uh, do you know anyone who says, I'm a Christian because daddy was a, was a deacon. Do you know anybody like that? I know a lot of people in the South like that, um, okay? And they may not even necessarily think they're saved. They may, they may not have asked themselves that question. That's where Bulgarians are. So Bulgarians wouldn't necessarily say, I'm saved, but they would say, I'm Christian in the sense that, well, ever since Christ came, you know, Europe has been, you know, Let's, we won't get into dates and things like that, but, but Europe is a Christian continent. And so I'm, I'm a European, so I'm Christian. Uh, and, and it's a cultural description or a historical description. It's not a spiritual description. And so that's where we have to define our terms um, because, um, because that's how they're thinking about it. So um, uh, I imagine you have friends that are agnostic, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, similar to how I would approach it, how you would approach it probably with your agnostic friends, that once we define our terms, because we do have to define our terms, um, then, then we can speak to, well, Christianity is actually not just about this. It's about a relationship. And uh, uh, one good example I have of that is a friend who his family are actually ritualistically orthodox. His name's Teddo. Uh, he's uh, 
probably 15 years younger than me. I met him at the gym one day, and we got to talking. And uh, Tedo uh, is from a family that believes if you take your cross to the priest and get it blessed, then that's going to be that's going to protect you. That's going to give you, you know, be a greater assurance of having physical health, a better life, that sort of thing. So they're ritualistically orthodox. He doesn't buy into that at all. Um, and he, 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 he likes to provoke me. He, he's, uh, I think he's exploring, he's still exploring, trying to figure out what is truth. He likes to send me things like these memes that say, uh, religion is a codex for slavery. Okay? Is that shocking? Who agrees with that? Okay. I actually said I agree with you. Religion is a codex for slavery, but Christianity is not a religion in the sense that he is defining religion or in the sense that, me, in that, that meme is defining religion. Because for, for someone like him, uh, and, and here again, this is how you define terms. For someone like him, religion is a codex for slavery because what is religion to him? Religion is if you do this, 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 and this, you're going to live a good life. Well, that's slavery, okay? Um, but, but we all know that Christianity is not that. Uh, Christianity is about a relationship with a living God who loves us deeply. And so I actually, I said, yeah, I agree with that meme. Um, and then I said, but, but that's not what Christianity is. Um, and so it's a lot about uh, patiently sharing the gospel. You know, I was talking with the high school students this morning, and I said, that, I said to them, uh, if, you, if there's something that, that I would really encourage you to learn in this life, it's to ask a lot of questions. Um, I think that's true here. I think it's true in Bulgaria. I think it's true everywhere. As, you, as we ask questions, as we, um, as we engage people, we find out what they really believe, what's really going on in their hearts. Uh, and, and the art of asking questions, it's an art, um, I believe. I believe that it's a challenge to ask good questions, to really get in, to probe deeply with people and to get into deep relationship with people and understand what they're really believing and be able to speak the gospel into that. Because if, you know, there's a good book um, titled uh, Learning Evangelism from Jesus. I don't know if any of y'all have heard of, heard of it. It's by a, a Covenant Seminary professor named Jerem Bars. And he goes through and he looks at how Jesus shares the gospel in Scripture. And Jesus shares the gospel in very, very contextual ways. He's not just sharing the gospel in a uniform way because they're all Jews. He's sharing the gospel in, in contextual ways to every person. And in, in certain people's lives, he's like, this guy needs to hear the law first. This guy needs to be smacked around a little bit with the law and realize that, no, he can't live up to the law. I'm thinking about the, the rich young ruler specifically. Um, and then others, he approaches immediately, you know, with grace, with compassion, because that's where they need to be met. And, and in the same way, as it takes a lot of work on our part to really explore and understand who people are, where they are. You know, Paul in Acts, you see that Paul was very studied in the culture's did you just give me a hand? Okay. Uh, Paul was, uh, um, yeah, if you, if you do this, I'll know that I'm done. Um, Paul was very studied in the cultures that he went to. You know, if, you're, if you remember, I think it's Acts 17, where he quotes a Greek poet in his gospel presentation. Okay. 
And, and, that's, and that's, the, that's how we have to approach those around us, be that in, in Pittsburgh, in the university sphere, uh, or halfway around the world in Sofia, Bulgaria. Yes. Mm -hmm. is good. Uh, I guess you're probably, you probably speak better Bulgarian than most Westerners. Am I right? Uh, yes. I usually get confused for a German or a Russian. Yeah. The, the reason for that is because I don't look Bulgarian. Uh, and so they, they, they're kind of like, okay, this isn't computing. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yes. So uh, what, I, what I tend to highlight the most, uh, first of all, I'll say um, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about the identity thing, if I can, if you'll, if you'll indulge me for a couple minutes. So I know identity is a big issue in the U.S. right now. Um, identity is a big issue in Bulgaria as well, but in an entirely different way. Bulgarians actually feel uh, very inferior to pretty much everyone else. It's a part of, they are, uh, to, help, help, to help Americans kind of understand uh, and contextualize a little bit, I describe Bulgaria as being basically the Mississippi of the European Union. So they're, they're in last place in the rankings most of the time. And they know it. And they're very, you know, they're very worldly knowledgeable, uh, knowledgeable about the world. And they see Western Europe and, and the U.S. as heaven on earth and think that the best thing that they can do for themselves and their families is to immigrate. And I've, I've even had uh, Christian Bulgarians say, why did you come to this God-forsaken country? Uh, Christians. Um, and I was astonished. Um, and uh, what I, uh, the reason I, I want to highlight on that is because it pains me to know that even Vlado and Boyan, our teammates, struggle with that. They struggle with feeling inferior to Americans. Uh, they struggle with, um, uh, Vlado, I was t I've told several people this already, but Vlado recognizes that he shouldn't feel this way. He knows that it's not appropriate, but he struggles with whenever a family from, from the team leaves the field, did they really leave for the reasons that they said, or were they just tired of Bulgaria? and all the problems we cause for them. Uh, and and that, that pains me um, because who, you know, as, as you all de are dealing with identity stuff going on here in the U.S., you know, where's our identity? Our identity is solely in Christ. Um, the reason I highlight that is because that is, that is a challenge that we face in, in Bulgarian culture, but, um, you know, the... What I, what I want to say to that is every culture has its good sides and its bad sides. You know, we as Reformed people believe that who created culture, God did. Um, who's involved in culture? Sinful people. So it's got good stuff and it's got bad stuff. And that's true in Bulgaria as well. One of the, um, coming back to answer your question really quickly, um, I love 
how devoted Bulgarians are in relationship. I was talking with Professor Snoke earlier. He had a graduate student who was a Bulgarian um, a number of years ago, and, and he was talking about how this, and this student was, you know, he kept to himself, that sort of thing. Sounds like a very typical Bulgarian. Bulgarians, are, they, don't, they don't trust easily, but when they trust you, they're all in. And those are great opportunities for the gospel. They're also just really rewarding relationships. I love uh, being in deep relationship with Bulgarians. It's a lot easier I mean, for Americans. You know, we're, we're taught that we have a thousand different friends. You know, Facebook tells us that every day. Um, but uh, Bulgarians will be able to count their friends on one hand. And those friends, they really are devoted to. When, I, when I'm in trouble, I don't call anybody on my team other than my Bulgarian friends. Uh, when my car got broken into, I called three people, and none of them was Bulgarian. Uh, none of them was American, um, and so it's uh, yeah, that's a real blessing.